0: Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. This is the podcast for average individuals who want to live above average lives and achieve above average results. We are here to give you the tools, the tips, the tricks, the strategies, all the good stuff to help you achieve more. Today we got a Q&A. We got some really good ones,
1: actually. A lot of good questions coming from Cody's Instagram question box.
0: Yeah, usually the question box does not provide great podcast questions, but today you guys crushed it. I'm excited to answer some of these questions. And yeah, they're not all trained nutrition today. A lot of them are
1: mindset or different some life business. Ones. Yeah. Life business. Yeah.
0: Some good ones. I'm excited for this. Let's uh let's just jump right in, man. I don't have any announcements or nothing, so we'll get right to the content for you guys.
1: Cool. Let's start off the first question. It says, What is the biggest quote unquote pivotal moment in your life? Thank you for all you do for the T C M community. Assuming this might be a client.
0: I think so. You are probably in the T C M community family yeah. I've been trying to think of like a name for the um the discord channel because it's like I like tailored life because it's like it's it's not going to be just fitness in there yeah you know and it's like life and we're there's like certain and so for those listening uh we have a discord channel now yeah um check in the description there might be a link in there we're, we're currently sectioning it to where members can go and where uh, everybody else can go. So yeah. like if you're, um, like it's, it's actually really, like the way we're breaking down is cool. There's like the member section that has like the exclusive calls and all that stuff. Um, there's a Taylor trainer section that will be available for those who get the app. Uh, when that launches here soon, there is some stuff on the clothing, but there's also like the guide section, the ebook session, the book club section. So like we can give book recommendations, general thread um, for the members. I'm starting a voice memo one. Where, uh, it's not free reigns to voice memo because then we'd have just hundreds of people voice memoing that yeah. probably wouldn't be good, but like, uh, where I can like pop in and give some like mindset quick tips, you know, every oh. few days or whatever. But I'm excited about it, but I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, tailored life makes sense. Cause it's like this, this is, this is like a place everybody can go who wants to live the tailored life, but it's like more focused on the coaching company. So I don't want to say tailored life. Cause that's like, obviously the apparel is called that too. Yeah. And then I was like, but I don't want to call it Tailored Coaching Method because that doesn't encapsulate everything. That's a really long name for a Discord channel. I was like, Tailored Family, Tailored Army, Tailored Squad. I was like, what do I call this thing? Right now, I think it's Tailored Life yeah. Server and like the username. I like Yeah,
1: Tailored Life Server.
0: Well, I think makes, Discord it, automatically puts server oh, on it gotcha, because bro. that's what it is. It's, like, it's I, a server. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I it like is. I like it though. I think it, looks, it sounds dope. Yeah. I did, for some reason, like ta- the tailored army sounds so cool to me. I want like people wearing a shirt that says tailored army or something. But um get those one. I got uh, uh Gabby, uh, Ariel, and Dennis's kid uh that tailored shirt. Did you helped me make the In logo, the remember? Camo. Did I so- send you show you the picture she sent me the with pink it? Pink one. Yeah. Yeah. So It turned out so good. Yeah. Pink camo like babe style on the yeah. tailored fur. That was cool. Um, and then I saw for it and she sent me either. a picture and I was like, man, why haven't I ordered Blakely one of these? Why didn't you? I, I don't know. Oh. oh. oh it was just yeah, trying to get her. You're experimenting. Yep, and uh, I was just thinking of getting Gabby something, and then I didn't think of getting my own daughter something. Yeah, she's spoiled; she gets enough. Um, just kidding. Uh, okay, so pivotal moments. Um, what was the biggest pivotal moment in your life? I don't know what if even I in business. Yeah, I don't even know if I can say one. To be honest with you, I think that you have to. <laughs> I have to choose one. Um, well, I think the problem is, is like it's it's like the whole like new levels, new devils thing. You know, you have a pivotal moment. And at that point in your life, it's a massive pivotal moment until you have another pivotal moment. Yeah. And whether it's because the next one is bigger because you're in a bigger stage of life or because it's fresher because it just happened, you feel like that's the pivotal moment. <clears throat> so I think two things about it. One, I think it's it, it's either A, impo- like to me, it's impossible to have more than one, but then B, like if you, I don't want actually I shouldn't say, that. I was going to say, if you only have one, then maybe you're not pushing yourself far enough or hard enough to like continue growing because you should have multiple pivotal moments but i guess it doesn't have to be like a, everybody can define pivotal moments in different ways so as long as you're growing and you're experiencing like new evolutions or whatever then i think that's that's the thing i'm trying to say so for me personally um i think that the first one was probably getting jumped way back i think i was like i think i was 20 um i was a young trainer um starting to get into the fitness space so I was like taking it seriously but more seriously on the front of like I want to be super jacked and I love working with people not like I'm going to build what we have today like there's there was not like this huge vision for it quite yet I had said my vision at the time was going online for sure because I remember saying that and at the time that wasn't a thing so it was kind of weird for people to hear me say that but I didn't have the grand vision I had and so I was still like dabbling in um just partying and in, in the wrong crowds and stuff like that. And I was at a party with a bunch of people that I had no idea with was jumped, um, while trying to, I mean, I don't know if I would say defend a woman because I didn't get the chance to actually tr- defend. Yeah. I was making my way towards the, the female who got hit in the face by a dude, which is not okay. And, uh, I got hit in the head with a bottle on the way in and then kicked in the face a bunch of times. I was just, I was unconscious and, um, a buddy of mine pushed people off and, and, I woke up in the bathroom. Long story short, I was in the hospital and everything. And I remember the nurse had saying, like, you should be dead. Like, that was a full, unopened Concussion. bottle. And I, I remember being told Captain Morgan's. <laughs> it was a glass of Captain Morgan's. Now you know I hate rum. Yeah. Just playing. Um, the, but luckily it broke. Because sometimes if it's full and it's unopened, it's compressed so it won't mm. break. But luckily it broke. She was like, luckily it broke on your head. And if it didn't break on your head, it could have been a lot worse. But because it broke, it eased the blow. You were unconscious, but it didn't cause too much, like, brain damage and stuff. Um, so, yeah, that was brutal. Uh, so, like, a near-death experience for me was that. And, uh, obviously, it makes you look at life a little bit differently. And uh, I was on the up and up after that. I just kept getting motivated. And I was like, don't waste time. Let's grow. Let's grind. And, and I think that was definitely a pivotal moment and catalyst to go all in on personal development and training and nutrition and coaching and like career path and all that kind of stuff. Um, the second pivotal moment was Blakely being born. I think any parent will say that, you know, when Shannon got pregnant, it was a a moment for sure. Like, cause you, you really like, I mean, you know, like you're like, okay, here's the next chapter, you know, like you really think about it, but when the baby is actually born and you see the baby, that's when it's like a whole different ball game. Um, I'm not a crier like I did like my wife still gives me shit that I didn't cry it's actually our anniversary today um I didn't cry at our wedding and there was like multiple best men groomsmen behind me crying while we were saying vows and I was just like dry eye just smiling like totally fine I'm just not a crier but like that moment when Blake was born I was I was crying like it was it's a surreal moment um so that was a very pivotal moment for me just just because I think again you take life You know, my life was almost taken from me. So I took my life more seriously. And then at that point you give life and you take life more seriously because you're like, well, I'm not only responsible for myself now. I'm responsible for the life of this human and what they see, believe, become is based on what they see in me to an extent. Like obviously in Shannon, but like watching me is going to rub off on how she becomes. So that was like a really big insight to me. I was like, okay, what I want her to see me as through her eyes and, and a lot shifted for me there that's um, pretty pivotal it was really pivotal pivotal, pivotal <laughs> yeah. um so those two are probably the biggest i feel like there was uh I, I wrote down i remember getting this question and writing down like three but i don't know if i i don't know if i had uh you I said three being Jump, jumped in then pregnant have, and then no uh, i didn't know just her being born oh, okay. i don't think being when you realize you're going to have a kid, it's like a moment, but it's not like a pivotal change in your life. You're like, okay, I better get serious soon.
1: Well, I mean, I think.
0: I started grinding, but. Yeah, but you
1: kind of switched your career, or at least took off on your
0: own. Yeah. And that I mean, that's yeah. fucking pivotal. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that, maybe that was what I said. It was definitely, that was definitely, that was definitely a time. The catalyst. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um I think also too, like, to be honest, I, I think that these aren't necessarily pivotal moments, but I think there's been so many different, oh, I remember what I, I wrote. I, I, I think I answered this briefly on Instagram. Maybe I DM'd or I just posted on my story because this came in while, a little while ago. But like, um, I think I said more recently, just like my spiritual kind of journey that I've been on over the last, probably since the beginning of the year, like I've always been a believer in God, but nothing like over, over the top or crazy, but practicing my faith I think has taught me a lot. And shifted how my mind works with patience, grace, and um, that words of affirmation thing I think i mentioned before on here, or just maybe it was just to you, but like being so reliant on the uh, the words of affirmation coming from others after the result happens to having almost like the words of affirmation coming from within me. And I feel like I found that this year. And that was a really big moment because it was, it began to be like, it's enough for me to succeed at things or get results at things without anybody noticing or telling me thank you or anything. Like, and I didn't think I relied on it as much as I I believe I actually did for quite a while. So that was a big, big thing too. this, that beginning this year was like going through some hard stuff personally that I'm not going to share here, but like, you know, going through difficult times in your own life personally, I think is going to test you and teach you quite a bit. Um, So this year alone has been very pivotal pivotal and and just so much clarity because what I was going to say is in business, you, you make transitions. Like we, we switched our uh, company name. We went from, it's really just me as a coach. Like there's nobody else, you know, like realistically it was what, like me, you were doing some videos on the side and then Tori was my assistant helped me organize things, but that was it. It was really just like, I'm just an online trainer. So going from that to building a team and hiring coaches and leading people, and then to changing the name of the company and then to getting a location, like all those things were all like small pivotal moments, but if you're doing things right, like I said at the beginning, you're constantly having pivotal moments because you're trying to evolve and grow and build, you know. But this year, I think I've had more clarity than I've probably ever had in my entire life. Just of like good, what the vision of this company is. And in, yourself. And myself, for yeah. sure. And I think it started with that. Yeah, I think I was searching for the company one by ignoring myself. And it it came once I really sat back and was like, okay, let me figure my own shit out. Um, and yeah, I mean. It, it, which is, again, that's funny because I've said I have a lot of clarity on the company many times before. And you think you do, but then you, as you start going towards that, you, accom- like, I think Tony Robbins has a quote of, like, people underestimate what they can accomplish in a year and overestimate what they'll accomplish in 10 years or something like that. And the big problem with that is, is, like, if you set a goal and you reach it way quicker than you expected, you're kind of like, now what? And you slow down. Or putter off right and so i think if you're that's why the mission that we set as a team this past week is so important because there's no outcome you know and it was one of the questions people asked is like okay so like what's the finish line kind of thing right yeah. what what box are we checking off it's like there's none it's an infinite game you keep going and growing and building and that's the whole point um so if you can connect yourself to something like that i think you get a lot of clarity and that's yeah, that's, that's really good. what i did this year is for myself and the company is like how can i create a goal that never actually ends there's a ton of milestones and check yeah, boxes that we have along striving. the way But it just it just never ends, right? So, yeah, three three big ones for me. Oh, I love it. All right, we will go
1: into the next one. Um, Here's another good one. It says, "One thing one 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 thing you could share with Blakely for all the years you have been inside the gym."
0: Mm, That's a really good one. Um, I'm trying to think of like a a a one one that thing that encapsulates a lot. Um, I mean, definitely discipline. Yeah, but I think, like, the example I think of is essentially being able to do what you don't think you can or want to do. I guess more, more so what you don't want to do. Because, like, if I went out there and it was, like, I have to do 10 rounds of, like, salt bike sprints, I wouldn't be like, I physically can't do it because I know I can, you know, but I really don't want to. So, the ability to push through a set, an interval, training session, even just get in the gym and do the work when you really don't feel like it, I think is probably the most powerful thing. Um, Because there's just so many things in life that that's going to happen, you know. And so, I think that, and we're, it's funny that this, Questions asked, because this is something we're, we're trying to work with her on right now. And it's 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 actually funny, like, watching her, her brain think, but, like, we'll be sitting on the couch. And she'll be like, hey, can you go give me a juice? I'm like, no. She's like, why not? I'm like, you can get one. She's like, I don't want to get one. I was like, do you think I want to get up and get one? Yeah. Well, no. Okay. So am I drinking the juice? No. Okay, so go get it. <laughs> like, right, right do you have just, two legs? Yeah. You know? But it's like this thought process. And, like, it's funny because they're so small and instant. They sit there and think. And they're like... Huh. Yeah. That makes sense. Kind yeah. of, you know what I mean? It's like processing it's but it's and it's hilarious, like not to make little kids sound dumb, but it's it's funny that you have to process that. It's yeah. like, Duh, why would I want to get why would I want to do this for you um, unless I'm walking by it, you know, or you're stuck like Bubba sitting on your lap, which isn't happening. He's heavier than her, but like you get the point. Um, so teaching that now and I think in just in general, man, like there's just so many things where. You might not want to do it, but if you if you can learn to do it anyway, you're going to build that discipline and that's going to and we've we won't go into an exhaustive list of why discipline's important because we've done that plenty of times, but <laughs> that serves as the most important skill in life, you know, for accomplishing things because yeah. at the end of the day, you're just not always motivated to do stuff. Um, and I think that I think that probably serves me the most out of everything that I've gotten out of the gym. I think it would serve her the most, and it also teaches you how to connect the dots a bit because even like that assault bike thing if I'm like, if I'm going to have the discipline to do the assault bike anyway, I have to understand why I'm doing the assault bike. Because if somebody's like, Hey, do this all bike. And I was like, why? Well, cause you're gonna burn calories. And I'm like, but I'm a, a skinny guy trying to build muscle and I'm trying to eat more food and I can barely like gain weight. There's no correlation of why that assault bike makes sense. You know, if they're like, Hey, that's going to build your aerobic capacity, which is going to allow you to do more volume in your training sessions. And that's going to lead to more muscle growth. Now I can go, Oh, OK, as long as I don't overdo the cardio, some cardio is good for my gains and I can put two and two together and I'll do the work. So I think like the the aspect of having to do shit in the gym that you don't really feel like doing in that moment builds discipline. But it also allows you to kind of think for yourself in a mindset of, OK, I'm doing X, Y, Z actions. Why am I doing this? Where is this going to take me? What's the purpose? How is this going to serve me? How does this lead to my goal? Like for me right now, if you told me that I'd be like, oh, perfect I can burn more calories. Great. I'm in prep. I'm trying to lose weight. It's a really easy thing to connect, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that that's for sure. Discipline as a whole, but just the idea of just doing things you just don't really want to do in the moment. I love it. Yeah,
1: that's good. All right. We got another one. It says, should you maximize it? We'll go into nutrition. Uh, should you maximize your calories with a reverse diet before going into a
0: gaining phase? Um, I could see like a theoretical reason for it. Um, we got to remember too, like it's, I think the, the biggest, the most important thing to remember with a reverse diet is a reverse diet is supposed to take you to maintenance. And so a lot of people forget to even, and this sounds very obvious, but sometimes people forget to consider this, right? Because if, for example, if we're just maximizing our calories, I mean, the obvious answer is, is yes, you should, because if you maximize your calories in a reverse diet, it just means you're getting to maintenance, but you can't go into a surplus to start gaining weight and muscle if you don't get to maintenance first. So should you maximize your calories during a reverse diet before going to to a surplus? Of course, you can't not. You know what I mean? Like if I want to, if I'm at a stoplight and I'm going straight and somebody's like, should you go through the light to get to the other road? Well, yeah, you should because you have to. There's just no other way. I could turn around, go a different direction, go all the way. Yeah, You know what I mean? But it doesn't make sense. So to in order to get to the surplus from a deficit, you have to reverse your calories through maintenance to get there. So you kind of have to. But I think the way she's framing it is probably because sometimes people assume that there used to be this idea of like metabolic capacity and increasing your metabolic capacity. And essentially what that would mean is if I go through a reverse, can I – so like let's say I – start at 2,500 calories, and then I diet down to 1,500, I lose a bunch of weight. So now, theoretically speaking, my calorie, my maintenance isn't 2,500 anymore. For easy math, let's say it's 2,000. So you would reverse to 2,000 to go to maintenance. But some people would believe that if you go slow enough, you could keep increasing beyond that, and maybe you could increase your metabolic capacity, so your maintenance, caloric intake, basically, to reach back at that 2,500 maybe while staying as lean as you are. Is that true? Yes and no. It's not true in the sense that people used to think it was, or at least they, they thought you could without understanding why you could in some situations and that it was more just like applicable to anybody. But the reality is, is that the metabolism is very dynamic and individual. So they would just assume, well, if you just go slow, your metabolism is going to pick up. But then you have to ask, well, what is your metabolism picking up? Like, how is it picking up? Well, it's picking up by burning more calories somehow. It isn't just like taking the food and magically disappear, burn, you know, it has to do something with it. So if you have a very adaptive or responsive metabolism, then maybe you could do this because as you increase your calories, you might move more. And if you move more, you burn more calories, right? So maybe your step count naturally goes up. You talk more, fidget more, blink more, stand more, do everything a little bit more. And therefore, your maintenance calories increase because in response to the slow increases of, of your calories during a reverse diet, your body's thermogenesis, need exercise, even thermic effect food because you're eating more food it all goes up, right? Because your body responds really well to it. But the problem with that is that's not everybody. So some people are like, oh, great, I'm going to do that. And since it's just non-voluntary movement, you know, me using my hands right now talking stuff, I don't have to think about it. My body's just going to do it. And then it doesn't happen and you get fat and you're like, why didn't this happen? Yeah. Well, it didn't happen because you don't have that kind of metabolism. It's very individual and there's really no way to figure out if you have that unless you do what I'm saying right now. So you can slowly bring your calories up and be patient and see if it happens. But typically the best way to find out if you're at your true maintenance, is not just a calculator, it's to go until you start gaining weight. So if you reverse diet, your calories up, and then you're like, where you think you should be, you go slow until you start gaining a little bit of weight. And when you start gaining a little bit of weight, either a, you're surpassing your maintenance, and going into surplus, or B, your body's just not that responsive and it's not going to pick up with you, Totally. you know? So You got to kind of figure that part out once you get there. But at the same time, as long as you go slow at that point, that's fine. Because if your goal is muscle gain, you got to go into a surplus anyway. So just inch your way into a surplus. And if you keep inching up and up and up and up and you're not gaining weight, check your steps. Check your sleep. Look at the weights in the gyms. Just try to assess how you feel. You might have one of those metabolisms and you need to bump up your calories a little bit more aggressively to actually start gaining muscle and weight. Um, So should you... You can, you kind of have to, but like, to like, try to like almost, uh, encourage or exaggerate the, your, your metabolism's capacity at the tail end of that reverse diet, I think is unnecessary. It can kind of just, I mean, to me, it's like there it's, it's eating for unnecessary purposes. Like once you get to a point where you have enough flexibility in diet, you feel really good, you're eating enough calories, just stop. Like, unless you really want to eat more food, but at that point it's because you want more flexibility you know, and if you can do it, do it. But I also don't think people should force themselves. Like there's some people who will get to that point and they want to force their metabolism to be that way, which the only way you can do that is by moving more. So they go, well, I'm just going to increase my steps, do cardio. And then it's like, well, what's the point of the reverse diet then? Because if you're supposed to reverse out of a diet and then you get to the tail end, you want to eat more calories and stay lean and you keep bringing your calories up, but now you're doing cardio every day. Your steps are at 20,000, like
1: contradicting. Yeah.
0: You're still dieting. It's just the number in my fitness pal is different. It doesn't make sense. So Um, yeah, you gotta be careful with that. Uh, but that would be my overall answer. I think there's not really a yes or no, but totally. Yeah.
1: I have a question. Yeah.
0: Chronometer. What about it? Chronometer.
1: Chronometer. Chronometer. I'd say chronometer, but we had the team out
0: last week. And what did somebody else said something that made me go, oh shit, maybe that's it. It, Um, chronometer. Uh, There's no way someone said that. Chronometer, chrono, 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 chronometer, 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 and anyway, uh, chronometer, chronometer, chrono, chronometer, chronometer. That's what somebody said, Damn. and I was like, "Whoa, that might be it." Yeah,
1: you know. But well, you just said the numbers in my yeah. fitness pal will yeah. be the same, it, it triggered my brain. I was like, "Damn!" Because we had a debate of which one was better. So, it's like creatine, creatine, creatine. Yeah, creat, creatine. If Yeah. Yeah. If you listen to this, message Cody and tell him which one's better. Because we're in a team debate about it.
0: Hypertrophy. 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 Hypertrophy is way better. Hypertrophy. Yeah. That's what I say. Hypertrophy is two words. I know. But I think that's what you used to say at the beginning. Because I was, yeah. I mean, if somebody looks at the word hyper trophy, Trophy. that's what it looks like. Yeah, it does. Hey, sorry to interrupt this podcast, but I briefly want to mention my company tailored coaching method. I found a tailored coaching method in 2017 as a way to help people lose weight, build muscle and transform their lives because I began to see that every other area of people's lives started to change and get better and be more successful when they got in shape and they felt better in their skin. And since then, I've built an entire team of world-class coaches who help people around the world transform right before our eyes. And because you're listening to this podcast, I got to imagine you want to get in shape too, or you're already in shape and you're looking to take it to the next level. Either way, we are the company for you. We specialize in body composition, and we can help you no matter where you are in your fitness journey. So if you want help, you want expert coaching, and you want to finally get to the next level so you can start actually looking like you work out, head over to tailorcoachingmethod.com and click the big yellow button front and center on the screen. Or simply go to the description of this podcast and click that link and apply today. The strategy call is completely free, and it gives us a chance to get to know you, you a chance to get to know us, and by the end of it, we'll decide if it's a good fit and move forward. All right, let's get back to the show.
1: All right, uh, we'll move on to the next question. It says you have mentioned having some anxiety. What best keeps
0: you in check? Um, I think it. You know, it's it's kind of uh, that's a really good question. I think that typically, in my opinion, like if I was giving coaching advice on this, and may, this isn't always what I have done um, because sometimes you teach something and you forget to do it yourself and then you learn the hard way about what you got to do. So I'm much better at this now, but keeping anxiety at bay is far more about preventing it from happening than it is recovering from it already happening. Definitely. So I think a lot of times this is what people look at with like meditation. For example, meditation is something that a lot of people use as like rehab instead of prehab. So they're in a stressed place. They're very anxious. They have no clarity. They have no space. They're they're overwhelmed or like burnt out. And they're like, God, I need to meditate. And it's like, no, you should be meditating so you don't get fatigued and burnt out in anxiety and overwhelm. Right. The whole point of meditation is to put you in a more calm state. When you get in a calm state from meditation, you begin to develop um, equanimity, and equanimity is like the opposite of anxiety because yeah. equanimity is remaining calm throughout a chaotic state so if things are happening in your life that are causing chaos or overwhelm or stress and anxiety then you want to do practices that allow you to get into a state of equanimity um i want to look up what this would be because i don't know if there's like are you an equanimous person you know what i mean like what's the equanimity because a person can have equanimity but a person isn't equanimity you know what i mean just like you can live in America, but you're not, a person is in America. A person is American. Yeah.
1: I don't know, man. I don't uh, know. I don't know if there's a... Here we go. What do you call someone who has equity? No, 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 no.
0: It's a very rare word. I don't know yeah. if there's like a... What is that even called? What it, It's not a past tense a word or a plural or what?
1: Uh, it's like um, when you hold possess. It's
0: like a... Like a possessive word. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Good work, man. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Okay. So your goal is to basically accomplish yeah. equanimity, and if what, I find it, I'll tell you what that means to me. Is all the practices we talk about with personal development, like you should be doing, to avoid that state. So I even think of it like uh, if. You know, if you're consistently practicing, I always lump some like meditation and prayer together for the most part. I think that usually people lean on one versus the other. I think meditation to me is is more, if somebody really needs to quiet their brain, they should be meditating. That's like, I don't meditate very much. Do you find it? Yeah.
1: Equanimous. Okay. E- equanimous. I was almost right. If you are equanimous, you are serene and calm.
0: I didn't put the T equanimitous. I yeah. like that. So basically, like if you're going, like if you're somebody who can't, this is how I used to be and I would meditate a lot more often than I do now because I couldn't quiet my brain mm. um, because it was just like, I mean, it's just like noise, right? And so if you have to quiet your brain, you should be meditating every day. And it's not because you you wait for it to get noisy in there. You, you do it every day at a certain time of day. Maybe it's... It, everybody has to play with this. Some people do it in the morning or midday or night. It's kind of depending on how you operate best. Um, but find tools that allow you to create space and quiet down the the noise inside your brain. So maybe that is meditation. Maybe that is, uh, for me, it's walking like, dude, I mean like we did that, I did that whole like walk in the dark thing because I finally was just like shooting some videos when I could, but I would be literally in a jacket with boots on in the snow walking, which is just seems crazy. But when it was winter and it was like, we'd have snow for a few weeks every winter. It's like, I'm still going to go do the thing that creates this for me. And that is walking, right? Whether, I don't know why, even if I'm listening to something, it's just moving and being outside for yeah. whatever reason does that for me. So I don't really need to meditate too much. If I'm doing that, I'm more likely to meditate if I travel, because if I travel and I'm in a hotel and I can't like get out and walk around the area cause I don't know where man and stuff, I'll use that. Um, I think any kind of affirmation or prayer or anything like that is going to be important because you're really just speaking into, to an extent you're speaking into existence or you're asking for good faith or you're asking for fortune and not like money, but like good things to happen for you. You're, uh, if you're doing it in an affirmation sense, it's literally, if you really think about it, it's like, if you, uh, if you're praying, and you're asking God for something like, please bless me with blah, 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 or give me the, the peace to be blah, 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 versus an affirmation saying, I am blah, blah, blah. I will, blah, blah. Yeah. Same thing. Like the point is, is you are speaking it and you are thinking it and you're putting the thoughts in your brain. So if you are going through anxiety and you're not constantly creating some form of affirmation to say, I am not an anxious person. I am a equanimitous person. I am calm. I am, I have clarity. Still. Like you won't get that point yet. Yeah, still like you'll never believe you are and you'll you'll fail to have the thoughts circulating in your brain that are going to cause those actions. So, and this is like, I've referenced her a bunch of times, but Dr. Caroline Leaf said, the, the thing that occurs here is that the more you say these kind of things, it's not like you just speak some existence and it just magically happens. But when you do speak it out loud or speak it in existence, think about it a lot, create affirmations around it, your, your thoughts and actions and habits begin to change and shape around those thoughts that you have circling in your brain. And so you act in a way uh, that is aligned with those words, essentially, which is really, I mean, it makes sense, you know, like, um, so it's kind of like if, if you buy, if you just went out and bought a brand new, like silver Jeep Wrangler and you, because you loved it and then you look everywhere and now you can't stop seeing Jeep Wranglers. It's the same exact thing. When you put something in your brain constantly, you're going to start thinking it more, doing it more, seeing it more. What's that?
1: Raz. Raz. Your, your Raz side of your brain. Anyway, that's part of
0: um like the thought process and stuff.
1: Reticular activating system. Oh,
0: there you go. Um So when you do that, it's, it's, it's obviously it's, it's circulating in your brain. You're going to start actually kind of programming yourself to live that way. So that's a really important thing. I've done a lot of that. I think that's probably shaped me more than meditation as meditation has been good for me. Um, But affirmations and prayer and journaling has been way more powerful because I can really get my thoughts on paper in different ways. I can speak into like gratitude. I can speak into vision. I can speak into clarity, like struggles, troubleshooting, just thoughts. You can get so much done there um reading obviously and i don't mean reading as a sense of like um reading's going to calm me down reading doesn't calm me down personally but if i'm going through something i can read about that thing so if you're going through anxiety read about things that people use or people who have successful people who have gone through anxiety and overcome it right or like public speakers who were super anxious and now they're like famous public speakers like yep. they had to work through it read about them see what they did um so for the most part, I would say those are the biggest things for me. And then I think too, like personally, I've always found that anxiety, it, it's, I, I like if I actually like really think about the things I've gotten anxious about, it's always been easy for me to shift out of anxiety more so than like stress, overwhelm, or depression. And I think anxiety, it's easier for me personally, and I think for most people, hopefully, to frame it as excitement because a lot of times when you get anxious. It's usually about something good. It's not always about something good because it's the fear of the unknown. But most of the time we get ourselves in situations that we we have anxiety buildup. It's it, like if you think of like something bad that happens, it's very rare that you have a buildup, right? Like you don't have like, like forewarning, you're gonna get like hit by a car, like and you're just waiting for it, waiting for it. That would create a lot of fucking anxiety all the time because you're waiting to get hit. Yeah. you never get hit. Usually it's like For me, I'm going to go speak in front of a bunch of people. And I know I have a seminar that I'm speaking in front of. It's hosted by an event. They're paying me to be on stage and and crush it in front of people. That creates anxiety because that's a big opportunity. But I'm really excited about that. So you can shift and go like, I'm only anxious because I'm mistaking how my excitement feels because it's a new type of excitement and there's a buildup for it. Whereas if something, there's a buildup for something you're very familiar with and you're excited about it, you're not going to get that anxious because you're not nearly as excited. You're comfortable too. You're comfortable with it. Um, Whereas uh, overwhelm, stress, depression, those kind of things, it's already done. It's already there. The feeling's already settled. And so you're trying to get out of it. And that's a little bit more difficult, in my opinion, than anxiety because anxiety can be an easy perspective shift 99% of the time. If something bad, like like for instance
1: for like a client going to the gym or something
0: exactly yeah like you can shift that and really change your perspective and work through some mindset stuff to do that if you have anxiety every time you're on the way to the gym it's like a 30 minute drive because you're not comfortable there you can work through that by going to the gym by talking to your coach first by by going listening to something special in the car on the way there there's a lot of things you can do um if something if like there's a terminal illness that you get struck with and you have a timeline to live like I don't even know if that would create anxiety. I was gonna say like, you could have anxiety over somebody else that is going through that, that you love. But if it's you personally, from what I've seen with people who have gone through that, it's usually like they're living their last moments doing what they want to do, yeah. you know? And I don't know if that would be considered anxiety, but usually it's stress, overwhelm and depression that seems way tougher to work through because it, I don't know, it's not something coming up. It's not a timeline where you're like, this will be, oh, this anxiety will be over at this moment and I can get through it. You don't know when it's going to stop.
1: Yeah. Possibly, like you just said, you don't know when to stop. It'll, it lasts a lot longer. Yeah. yeah,
0: And it's hard to get out of because it's already there yeah. versus it's you're going into it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like if I'm to give strategies, honestly, I think that the, the journaling, re- reading about what other people do is always helpful. But for me personally, the affirmations, prayer and journal, like that's always the biggest thing because it's, it's taking what's in your brain and like putting it on paper logically and like working through it, I think is just... And speaking through it, I think is just so helpful and get in talking to your coach. Like, you know what I mean? If you don't have a mentor or coach, talk to that person, nothing more powerful than talking to somebody about the thing you're going through, especially if that person has experience dealing with it or going through it themselves. Yeah.
1: Love it. Cool. All right. We'll move on to the next one. It says, do you, do you personally ever take a full day off of weights and cardio? Cardio?
0: Yes. Weights though. (laughs) Um, yeah, both. Uh, I mean, it just depends too. like, so, and this is where, like, if you count my walks outside as cardio, then no. And I don't think – I actually think there's a positive about being active every single day. I think I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to be more fit. I'm going to be leaner for sure. Um, I'm probably going to recover better, actually, because it gets blood flow into your, into your muscles, your joints, your tendons, ligaments, all that kind of stuff, which when you have – so if you get, like, an inflamed muscle or if you have an inflamed joint and so stuff, that's literally – Blood going to the area, blood and water and fluids going to the area, carrying nutrients. So if I'm moving, if I'm going on a walk on my rest day, and I'm gonna be sending blood flow and nutrients to my limbs, I'm not gonna get swollen. But there is blood flow down there, right? Uh, That's sending nutrients to those areas. If I just train legs, they're gonna recover faster. So going on a walk the day after a leg day is actually really smart. For example, Um, riding a bike really slowly. So I think there's value in active recovery. So I do something every day. I don't train. I like. On a Sunday, I usually go either for multiple walks throughout the day or I'll go on like a 30-minute walk through the trails. I'll take Bubba for like five minutes, come back, drop him off, and then go out again or something. Or Blakely will ride her bike, and I'll keep up with her. But it's never like I'm not sprinting. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing anything crazy. I train five days a week. There's times in my life where I've trained six days. Um, but I really only I only consistently commit to six days a week when I'm eating a lot of food and I really want to put on size. Otherwise, it's just too much for me. I end up getting just kind of burnt out. And it's not easy to do on my schedule. Like, trying to get in the gym, like, a good session six days a week is tough. Um, So, five days a week is usually my typical uh, training. And then, right now, I'm doing cardio five days a week as well. So, it's just, like, cardio in the morning, training in the evening. Um, And then, Saturday is nothing.
1: Aren't you doing cardio during your session, though?
0: I was doing it at the end of my session. But we bumped up. So, like, the... I don't mind doing cardio post-workout if it's, like, 20 minutes or so. I, I, You know, 30 at most, but even then, like, it's it's not going to kill you. It's not going to, like, I mean, once upon a time, we'd say you're going to lose your gains. I don't think that's going to happen. I do believe that you probably would maintain muscle better if you separated them. And we know that you'll build muscle and strength better if you separate them. There's research on that, like, separating your cardio and your training four to six hours apart is going to be beneficial. Like, if we look at concurrent training research. But in my case, I'm trying to lose fat and just maintain as much muscle as possible. We bumped up the cardio sessions, uh, by a day and five minutes. So there were 25 minutes. Um, and so what I did, I started doing it in the morning, like last week, and I'm probably going to do it as often as I can because it's just a good way to start my morning, but also I'll do 30 minutes in the morning and then I, I can spend. Like basically I'm not rushed to start my training session in the afternoon. And when I do my training session, I can spend that whole time doing training and not trying to like rush through the workout. Cause I got cardio too. Yeah. It just makes way more sense to just be able to like spend time lifting and getting it done. And I'll probably maintain a little bit more muscle, but worst case, if I can't get it done in the morning, I'll do it later, but five days a week in the morning right now. And then five days a night. Um, but here's the thing too, is like there's going to be a point during prep where I guarantee I'm doing cardio, seven days a week or it's going to be six days a week but like some of the days maybe like two cardio sessions one in the morning one at night when you're getting absolutely peeled to the point where you're just not even healthy anymore like you do way too much cardio yeah it's just ridiculous like i don't do that when i'm prepping for a photo shoot i'll do at most the amount of cardio i'm doing right now 30 minutes yeah and we're 11 10 and a half weeks out still so like but again once i get closer and closer the cardio will probably ramp up and then you're spending a lot of time. And then I'll probably be doing something every day because I'm not, I'd rather do a cardio session Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday versus Tuesday in the morning, Tuesday at night, Wednesday in the morning, you know, and take a full day off. It just doesn't make sense to me. Copy. So, so yes, you do take a day off right now. Yeah, yeah for sure. And most of the time I do. All
1: right. We, uh, we got one more. Yep. All right. So it says, what if, uh, what if someone is under eating yet wants to lose body fat their calories are already so low. What would you do with them?
0: Mm. This is a good and a really common. It's a good question. and A really common thing that we see in general. Um, and it's it's also like it's a common thing that I would say. Uh, I don't mean immature in like a negative way. I just mean like less experience. Like, you know, yeah. coaches who haven't been in the industry as long, like for long enough to really experience this. But like when you're more immature in your, your coaching career, you, you see that more and it, it gives you way more hesitation than you need to. Um, you know, we've talked about this extensively with Brandon Roberts, our chief science officer, and the likelihood of somebody actually eating, like being in a state where they're eating so little and they still can't lose weight is very, very rare. There's a, like, I can think of two scenarios ever that this has happened usually it's due to like somebody is uh, very low activity and postmenopausal or something where it's like, there's a hormonal thing going on and they're not very active at all. And so their calorie, their maintenance calories is just lower than they would like them. And they're just thinking like, okay, age, weight, height, I should be eating this much. And we're like, yeah, but if you actually look at your activity and whether it's PCOS or th- hypothyroidism, uh, Hashimoto's, uh, menopause, whatever, there's hormonal things that can slow the metabolism down a little bit. Um, but it's very rare that it causes it to a degree that we actually are like concerned or worried about it. Most of the time in this situation, you just got to go through a checklist. Yeah. So, like, if somebody wants to lose fat or lose body weight and they're under eating, quote unquote, and they're not losing weight and we're trying to figure out what to do, there's a, s- a simple checklist that you need to go through to make sure that you can eliminate the things that could be happening and then just get down to the, the crux of what's really there. And the first thing is to make sure that they're accurately tracking. A lot of times people just don't accurately track. They're tracking Monday through Friday and then they go out on the weekend they don't track at all. And so their calories double on the weekends and then their weekly total caloric intake average is way higher than they realize. Like, I'm only eating 1,500 calories all week. And it's like, yeah, but you eat 3,000 on Saturday and Sunday. So you're eating more than you realize and you're eating at your maintenance. Um, The other thing is just the accuracy day to day. So maybe somebody's not going all out on the weekend, but they're eating Chipotle for lunch every day and tracking it and assuming it's accurate. Nothing wrong with Chipotle, but don't assume that the guy behind the counter is actually giving you what you're tracking MyFitnessPal. They are not using a scale. They're using like cups and tablespoons and stuff, and that can have a margin of error. They're eating a lot of processed packaged foods, which can have a margin of error. They forget to track things like oil. Um, They're using seasoning with sugar in it. Like a lot of times that happens and people don't realize. They're like, oh, it's just seasoning. Like, look at the thing. It's like, oh, there is sugar, but it's only one gram of carb. And I'm like, yeah, it's one gram of carb per one eighth teaspoon. Yeah. I put three tablespoons of seasoning on my steak. I don't know about you, you know? So like, there's all these little things that you got to look at and, and kind of check yourself on, um, they'll do like one apple. Well, there's a difference between an apple that's tiny and an apple that's massive, you know? So a banana, same thing, a small banana to a large banana is an extra 10 grams of carbs. And so when we add up all these little things of inaccurately tracking, you end up consuming a few extra hundred calories every day, at least, you know, and especially so if we're talking about like fats. So if you pour a little creamer in your coffee, you forget to track your oil, all those kind of things, even more so. Um, so eating out, inaccurately tracking, choosing the wrong foods for that, eating out on the weekends and not understanding the balance there. Um, and then the last thing would be, uh, your macros just being off. So if somebody is under eating calories, but we look at their macros and they're over consuming fats, under consuming protein, usually that's the case. There's times where I'm like, Hey, you should be eating more carbs too. Um, but most often people are overeating fats, under eating protein. And so I can take somebody who's eating quote unquote, 1500 calories, drop their fats, bump up their protein, and keep it at 1,500, and they'll start losing weight rapidly if that's the issue. There's also times where people are doing all three. They're in a deficit, but they're eating too much fat, not enough protein, so that deficit's not as influential as they want it to be in the direction they want it to be. They're eating foods that are inaccurately tracked, and they go out on the weekends without tracking or being aware of it. So really, this kind of stuff comes down to educating the client on macro tracking, calorie tracking, measuring food, stuff like that. Uh, educating them on eating out. There's a way to do it more accurately and there's a way to gauge how often is necessary, like how often can you eat out without it hampering your results? There's a way to give them accountability in uh, some form of like budget system or like borderline of what they're doing on the weekends to where they can have fun and enjoy it but not over overdo it and cause a regression in the results. So there's a lot of things that can be done as a coach to help prevent some of the stuff and help a client fit these things into their lifestyle. And then obviously just teach them how to accurately track and measure their food and tell them what to make sure they're tracking, you know, and be aware of shopping at the grocery store, stuff like that. The right seasonings, whatever you do all that stuff. Uh, There's been countless times where I have a client in this situation. We do all of the above, and now we're going to lose weight on more calories than they were eating before, quote unquote. They thought they were eating before. Um, So point being here is nine times out of 10, um, maybe 9.9 times out of 10 it is nothing to do with somebody's under eating and they can't lose weight because they're under eating because 99% of the time, if somebody's under eating, they're not actually under eating or they're not actually overweight. So if somebody comes to me and they're actually under eating, usually it's like, Hey, you could probably gain some weight. Yeah. Like we get women who have like dieted and uh, for a long period of time, they're overtrained. And now they're so lean that they're in an unhealthy state. We don't need to diet more. Like you're actually tracking, you are in a deficit. We need to get you to eat more food. Um, so if somebody comes to me and they have 40 pounds to lose and they're like, I'm under eating, I don't know why I'm not losing weight. Even if they have some of those like metabolic issues, it's either a, you're not training at all, which is very rare. Um, people are usually willing to train or do some kind of activity to burn calories. Um, or B it's, it's very inaccurate. Cause if you were actually eating that you would start losing weight. Maybe you get to like the last five to 10 pounds and we're like, yeah, we got to really dig. Cause you got some, you know, you have PCOS, you have hypothyroidism, whatever it is, we got to dig and, and push through, or you've been dieting for a long time, your metabolism's adapting, but there's no way somebody still has 40 pounds to lose and they're under eating. Yeah. You know, it just does, it does not happen unless in the, like 0.01% of the time, which is like a very rare circumstance.
1: Yeah. I've noticed a lot of clients, like you've said that have like, they're saying like on a good day, I hit 7,000 steps. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, like what? Yeah. you know. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing too, is like what And it's relative for everybody. So like somebody, somebody could step four thousand steps, and we could still lose weight. But we just got to create a bigger deficit. You got to be training in the gym. Maybe you're doing cardio. It's like somebody could track three to four thousand steps, but maybe they're doing four days a week on the treadmill. They don't count. They don't put their step counter on there. That's great. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, Whereas somebody who's stepping fourteen thousand steps a day doesn't need to do that cardio. No matter what, we got to be active.
1: That's us. Yeah. You know
0: what I mean? So like, I think people usually underestimate their activity level when they're calculating their calories. So they'll do the the just like on the website, right? The TDEE calculator. Yeah. And you can do po- time, like you multiply this number by your BMR times like 1.2, 1.5, 1.6. And they're like, I'm pretty active. I'm going to do 1.6 and they should be doing 1.2. Yeah. Like you're not as active as you think. And you don't burn as many calories being active. Like Totally. Which is it's disappointing at times. Yeah. But this is, this is also where it's, it's just a long, like I'm dieting on more calories than I've dieted in a long time, but that's also because I've been doing this for so long. So a lot of times people will compare to situations like my own or other like people on Instagram, they see, and it's like, if that person is, is optimizing everything, they train really hard, they've built a lot of muscle over time. They've cut, bulked, cut, bulk, cut, bulk, like bodybuilders do. They're kind of building their metabolic capacity. Like I said earlier in a smart way, but it takes years. Because you are cutting and then you build your calories up, you cut, build your calories up, and you do that repeatedly over time, which isn't the goal for everybody. For some people, it's like I want to cut once, I want to get to the body I want, I just want to stay there, which is fine. Like what I'm talking about is a sport, you know, it's different. Or if you're a coach, you do that not for sport, but just because it's your career. Yeah. But yeah,
1: I love it. I think that's good, man.
0: All right. Well, if you guys valued that, go leave us a five star rating review. Share this with some friends. Tag us on Instagram. Take a screenshot. Tag us at. (laughs) Cody McBroom at Taylor Coach Method. I'll also go check out the Taylor Transformations podcast. I'm getting a lot of good feedback on that. Um, we're about to drop the new TLA shirts. Uh, it's a new collection I'm very, very excited about. Uh, we got three different shirts, three different shorts. That's on August 20th on a Sunday. So uh, go check out at Taylor Life Apparel on Instagram. You'll start seeing the teasers. I've been plugging them already, so you'll be able to see what's coming out soon. Um, and then we got something else that we're dropping around the corner after that, that I'm excited about some, some accessories and stuff like that. So, um, we got a lot of cool stuff coming. Tailor trainer is going to be dropping at the end of this month as well. A lot of stuff in the pipeline. So follow us everywhere. Tag us. If you're sharing this, share it with a friend. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening and we will catch you next time.